we've got to, instead of hiding some of these things, ugly faith, start sharing it. Like, you know, don't hide it. When you hide it, then that myth stays alive, right? Um, That myth becomes a monument to false pride, to emotional dishonesty, uh, to fear. But when you share it, share the ugly warts of your struggle. Almost 20 years ago, our paths crossed in the sneaker world. And since then, we have been on a professional and personal journey together. We've made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of fun, and even a few wins along the way. Our goal is to share our experiences and insights so you don't have to make some of the same errors that we did. And in addition, we want to help you begin to think about things a little different. So join us as we unpack our unsolicited and sometimes polarizing views on business, faith, and family with questions that make you want to unfollow. AP, 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 we have made it to episode 10. 10 episodes has gone by so fast. First of all, shout out to you for being the operator, the organizer, and the antagonizer to pull this uh, two-man production together. But thank you to everyone who has listened, who has dropped us a DM, a text message, a note, to just give us encouragement, give us feedback, challenge us as well. This has been a growing journey for all of us. So appreciate you, DC, but appreciate everyone has been listening in on the Unfollow podcast if we eclipse the milestone of double digit podcast episodes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, it's it's been so good, man. And I think the thing we should be transparent about is that a lot of this is almost a laboratory for us to find out what really resonates with people. Um, and as you have been writing and we're pre- preparing you to write your book, um, this is really an audio version of getting that book, kind of that first draft out there. And we're able to see through analytics and through these responses from people what people really respond to well. So this is going to be a really fun experiment. Yeah, that's the cool thing about this, DC. Good reminder is that this is all kind of a, it is social, a virtual experiment at least. Uh, so every night, people don't know, me and, not every night, every week, every Sunday night, 9.30 Central, uh, we get on a Zoom call. So I'm looking at Daryl right now. We, we, we open up GarageBand. I have people asking me how we record it. We got some mics, headphones. We got GarageBand rolling. We got a Zoom call going, and we're recording on there as well. And we, we just start having a conversation, and we swap updates on what we're going to talk about, and we just unpack it. So it really is two um, friends who share you know almost 20-year history just asking each other questions sharing and provoking thoughts, but more importantly, listening and learning together as we do this as a team and as a community. And so we thank everyone who has joined that unfollow community because we know normal ain't working. Um, And so whether you're a Christian and you're vibing with some of the scriptural references and hey, hearing two uh, people of faith share their struggles, or if you're not a Christian, and I know I got listeners and friends who you question this all, I think it's still a place where you can come and at least learn a point of view or get a tool set that can help you apply it in your daily life as well. And so we, we just love talking about it all from, you know, marriage, uh, friendship, race, business, money. And today we're going to talk about ugly faith. We're going to get transparent. Now, here's the, here's the definition of ugly faith. If you've ever had a time when you had the ugly tears and ugly prayers, I mean, snot, I mean, tears, uncontrollable. You probably were in a moment of ugly faith. Um, But today's episode is really going to be asking ourselves this question. What happens when the truth of who we trust in is really revealed? Uh, When what we believe gets exposed, how do you respond? Like when life gets ugly, what do you do when you feel like God has failed you? Um, What are those tough times? And I I can recall... um, several conversations recently with uh, several Christians and believers who are questioning all of it because of the COVID virus and all the political and socioeconomic strain because of social injustice. There's so many people that are questioning Christianity and confronting what they believed in. And so this is a time to talk about those ugly moments where we've gotten through some things um, in our lives, personally and professionally, and how we got through it. And so I'm, I'm excited to dig into this and be as transparent as we can to, to be helpful uh, and yeah, hopefully, you know, glean some nuggets from my man, DC, Mr. CrossFit. Man, and let's be honest, this is going to be an episode where people probably really do unfollow us because I think we're going to talk about some stuff that make people very uncomfortable. Um, just like race, um, faith is one of those things that people 
kind of quietly hold norms about and they hold things as though they're reflective of who they are sometimes rather than, you know, allowing God to be big enough, right, to question. I think that's one of the things that I want to point out to begin with. If if you're listening to this and your God is not big enough to be questioned, I would tell you that your God's not big enough. And so there's going to be some folks that begin to listen to this and they're just going to disagree. And that's totally okay. Um, but what I would challenge you to do is like think long and hard about some of those things that you've accepted for a long time and dig deeper into them. Find out why you believe them. Uh, find out where truth is at for you. Um, and, you know, again, AP and I are believers. We've uh, been on a faith journey for since we were young. And, you know, the faith traditions in our families are pretty similar. We grew up in, you know, pretty active, conservative Christian homes. And I would say that, man, it was a gift. But I would say also with that comes some things that later on in life, you really have to kind of open up the hood on and say, man, this car got me this far, but like, I need to give it a tune up or a checkup, but find out what's really under the hood. Um, and so, hey, that's what we're going to do tonight. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, I hope that at least we can have a conversation about it later. Yeah, I love it, man. Let's uh, let's jump into it. I, I think... I guess let's open up with, I guess, sharing an ugly faith moment. Uh, I'll show you mine first. I'll go first. Um, an ugly faith moment where you felt either your faith was tested or, or uh, God was revealed in a new way. Like I said, for me, I've had several ugly faith moments. I don't know if that's the mark of growth or the mark of stupidity because I keep repeating some of the same <laughs> lessons. Um but no, I mean, I remember, and I'll share this very publicly for the past uh, year has been obviously in 20, um, part 2008, Great Recession hit, you know, the times when I've had some economic um, challenges uh, when I had my own business, right? And, you know, here's a pop quiz for you, Daryl. You're a business professional. What do you call a business that doesn't make money? What do you call a business that doesn't make money? Not a business. It's a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so here I was, right? In 2008, I had a hobby. Like, I had no income. And I remember, you know, the worst thing, especially as you launch a business, especially as a guy in this business, the worst thing you can ever imagine is not only like it failing, but like running out of money, being overdrafted, underfunded, your life imploding. I remember the day before my bank account, my business and my personal bank account were literally negative. I remember thinking, this cannot happen. Like, I prayed about it. I wrote down the vision. I did all the things that good Christians do because God gave you a good vision. And bam, face planted on the ground. I remember the next morning waking up, being like, why am I even here? Like, questioning, like, in the aftermath of this uh, pain and tragedy, which it felt tragic and it felt painful, I said, God had let me down. Like, God, you quit on me. God, you failed me because you didn't come through on what I thought you wanted me to do. This was your promise. This was your vision that I was doing on behalf of you. And I think I can look back now and realize that in this version of ugly faith, it actually was revealing how ugly my faith was. It was my, call it a tooth fairy theology. Like, I'll barter you. Like, hey, like, I give you this. You give me this. You know, my son Caleb just lost a tooth two weeks ago. And he was so excited because he's like, oh, I get money. So he goes to sleep, puts his tooth in, in his pillow, and then, you know, uh, Alicia or I will sneak in and, you know, we'll trade it out for a couple dollars. And that's what I was doing with God. I kind of felt like, oh, I did this thing, and ergo, you're going to give me something. And I expected it. I expected success. I expected, um, I expected a certain level of response and blessing. I expected... Um, I expected so much from him when I had done so little. And I think uh, it really revealed what I worshiped, right? And so I think the crisis of faith in, in that uh, moment was really me. And it really revealed that um, I was trusting in a God that I had created, not in the God that created me. And so this deformed, uh, fragile, flawed God that I had created, who just, he's, you know, he's a surveillance expert. He watches me all the time. Uh, he's angry. He gets he's easily, easily irritated by me. So I don't ask him for too much. I created this whole mythical version of God. And I would tell anyone, especially people who don't believe 
and Christianity or don't like churches because churches are filled with Christians and Christians can be annoying. Um, you have likely turned away, not from God, you've turned away from a deformed version of religion, not true God. You've turned away from an annoying person or a hurtful experience, not to minimize that. And I can realize, I can look anybody in the face and say, my biggest moments when I realized not only was my faith ugly, but I was ugly, was that I wasn't trusting in God. I was trusting in a version of him that I had created. When was the first time in your life that you were breezing along and then something happened that shifts your perspective on life and God? Can you remember the first moment that that happened? Yeah, no, I, I remember uh, it was my freshman year of college, probably the first time I had a moment because up until then, you know, we had struggles as a family, and but it was, you know, it was a typical upbringing, you know, uh, parents, mom, dad, school, graduation, and uh, the, my freshman year, spring break, um, I had talked to my best friend, his name was Robert, um, the week before spring break, and I had planned to go to New York for spring break. He was calling me and saying, hey, come back to Texas for spring break, because I went to school at Florida A&M, and I had planned to uh, go up to New York with my roommate and some of the New York guys I had met, you know, just to hang out in New York, because I had never been there before. And he was trying to get me to come back to Texas, because uh, for our first time hanging, so we grew up together. I've known him, you know, I knew him my whole life, um, and we grew up together. And so he said, hey, come back for the first spring break to Texas. I was like, ah, I'll see you next time. And yeah, I, there was never a next time. Uh, I got, got a call maybe a week later. Uh, he was killed in a car accident. And I remember my mom calling me early one morning while I was in uh, the Bronx, New York, at my roommate's, um, my college roommate's house, and just telling me, like, Robert's gone. Like, literally, my best friend who I had just talked to a week before, like, hey, I'll see you next time. There wasn't a next time. Uh, and so I remember taking the Greyhound from New York to Texas. That's a 35-hour Greyhound for anybody that wants to know. And that was Probably the first time I'd ever, because when you're young, you don't really examine life. You think you got so much ahead. And, you know, you think about, and I had 35 hours on that bus to reflect on our lives, uh, loss, expectations. And even though I grew up in church, I'm a preacher's kid. I had, I logged lots of flight hours in church. I mean, my faith, uh, you know, scorecard was full of all kind of stars and extracurricular activities. I didn't have any. I questioned God. I went through so many different things where I wanted I wanted retribution, I wanted retaliation, I wanted to get away from him. But that was probably the first moment where it was ugly faith moment. And I think the mark of ugly faith is also there's nothing you could do. There wasn't something I could. I was just sitting there helpless on the Greyhound bus uh, going through the country crying because I lost my friend. Yeah, it was mm. it was a, it was a tough one. Um, yeah, it was tough. Man, man. Wow. Um, so did anybody give you any bad advice in those seasons? Um, especially, you know, you've had a loss of a friend, um, or back to your, your business. I know those two, those two are very different, very different, you know, one's life and death and one's, you know, financial loss that may or may not have been caused by your lack of business acumen at that time. Just saying, but, uh, give me some bad advice that people gave you in both of those situations. Yeah, I think some of the worst advice was coming from people with the best intentions. And oftentimes those were either friends or family. Um, part of it was um, in business, fake it till you make it. And we still say mm. that. That's just a common phrase. Like, hey, yeah. act like you've yeah. been here before. If you act yeah. as if, it, then everything else will fall into place. And I think there are there is some, uh, at least some general uh, credence to the line of, hey, confidence. But I think it built this I could build a facade of, hey, I've got this figured out. And actually, I don't. And and there's so much this verifiable things that you can actually do. Like, hey, like open a book. Or like, there's so many things you don't have to fake anymore. Like, why fake? Like, God didn't want you to fake it. He wants you to learn it and then do it uh, was one on the business side. And I'd say when dealing with grief um, and pain, which everyone processes so differently, you know, I used to hate um, um, the feedback of, you know, like, it happened for a reason. Uh, my friend Robert played the saxophone. And so the people at church would just say, I guess God just wanted a 
saxophone player in heaven, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> what? I mean, and I know um, they mean well, right? It's, it's our human attempt to rationalize pain and tragedy and suffering. But I think the, um, the attempt to assign rationale to things that aren't explicable, the attempt to try to um, dilute divine happenings and tragedies so that we can like have a sound bite or a tweet about it. Mm-hmm. it it diminishes i think the power of god and i think he's so much bigger than that and i think instead of pointing me to probably like god is like we just don't know it's okay to say i don't know i don't know why that happened yeah. but i'm here for you yeah. and i think those were the two things one was the yeah. fake it till you make it the perception that yeah. it's there and then one was more the facade of meaning when the, the, there wasn't any anything to to be gained by that it was just an experience you have to have to go through so those were the two for me yeah freshman year we were going into finals and um, there were a lot of things that I should have been doing during that time studying would have been number one Um, but instead I went with some buddies to um, the river uh, and man my life changed in an instant like that was my moment where you know I was kind of cruising along doing my thing like I had always been good at sports Um, I had always been successful at school you know just Things were easy for me, and um, yeah, I'd been hurt a lot. I had a bunch of scars, that kind of stuff, but like nothing that was tragic. And that day, I cut my foot in half on the river. And I don't think a lot of people know that story, but basically, I was on a rope swing, and the rope got wrapped around my foot, and it yanked all the way through four of the five bones. And um, it changed my life. You know, it put me um, in a bed for about three months. Uh, you know, after that, I broke it three or four times afterwards the metatarsals just didn't really heal very well um, and I never got to play football again and so those things um, for me in that or that thing for me in the moment if I'm honest it made me angry like I, I I was already running from God in that moment and it made me even more angry it made me uh, feel kind of like what you said in the beginning of like man I lost something um, in that moment that I felt like God had failed me, so to speak, you know, now what I will tell you in hindsight, like I know it was my own dumb fault. Like I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been on the rope swing the way that I was. Um, there were a lot of things that I was responsible for. Um, but yeah, to be honest with you, like there were things that were taken away from me and, you know, I spent the next couple of years like recovering from that. But the good news is, is like, there were some beautiful things that came out of that. And I think that's one of the challenges, right? Is like, people come up to you when things happen and they say, Oh, this is, this is going to be for your good. Or I know that God's got a plan for you and all of this and blah, blah. And listen, man, I'm laying in a bed. My foot's cut in half. My favorite sport's been taken away from me for the rest of my life. Like, I don't think there's anything good coming out of this. Like I just made a dumb mistake. Let's just call it what it is. Right. And you know, let's, let's move on. Um, and I think we're experiencing some of that same stuff today as we've um, journeyed with Johanna going through breast cancer for over the last year. And believe it or not, AP, people say some really dumb stuff, man. Uh, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they don't know how to deal with death. You know, we're, listen, we're all uncomfortable with death. We can't stand to look at it in the face. We have to feel like either we're going to fix it or we're going to ignore it, one or the other. And so what I can tell you is, is that there's money to be made in cancer because we got a zillion books on how uh, we can be healed. Uh, Max Lucado's making money right now on all the Max Lucado books that we got. But by the way, we gave them all to Goodwill. Um, you know, what I'll tell you is, is that people just want to try to fix cancer for you or they want to fix death for you. And the truth is, is that we live in a broken, fallen world, man. Like, it's just the way it is. And... You know, in Ecclesiastes and in Proverbs, it says, you know, God makes it rain on the just and the unjust alike. Like, listen, my my foot getting cut in half was a direct result of me making poor decisions. Johanna getting breast cancer is has absolutely nothing to do with decisions that she's made in her life. You know, she eats better than anybody that I knew, takes the best supplements that you can buy out there, was working out three or four times a week. Right. And at 38, 39, she gets struck with breast cancer. Like it has absolutely nothing to do with anything that she did. Right. And so on the other side of that, you know, people say, oh, I'm sure God has a great plan for this. 
You know, or the, this is the other one. God is allowing this to happen to you. That's my favorite. You know, and again, man, that's also wrong. Like, this is just a result of living in a broken and fallen world. And you know what? Joe said it so clearly. She said, am I going to learn something about myself and about my God through this experience? Absolutely, I will. But what if there's nothing mystical to it at all? What if it's just, we live in this world, I got cancer, I'm going to learn something about myself and my God through it all, and at the end, maybe there'll be some understanding that I didn't have before. But like, maybe there's just no great universal mystical um, approach to why some people get sick, some people don't. You know, I don't have the answer for that. But what I will tell you is, is like, I don't believe that the advice that God is allowing you to suffer through this. I I don't think that stacks up with what I read in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I think we've always wrestled to make meaning out of, um, you know, finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. Um, You know, we've got temporary tools, our hearts, our minds, um, you know, our, our most important muscle or heart. We can't even control it. Um, sleep. We spend a third of our life asleep and scientists only know a fraction of what happens when we're asleep. Um, I was just watching Netflix documentary on the universe and it was uh, showing the scale of the universe. Like our galaxy is made up of a hundred billion suns. And this one galaxy is one of billions of galaxies. I mean, like the, the immense nature and the power and this like, the scale of God's, not only his authority, but his wisdom and guidance is unfathomable. Like there's no way. And I I think we mean to make sense of it and we try to bring people along. I think the um, challenge and I think the threat, especially with Christians is because we seek to do it. I think there's a point of pride that happens. Oh, you're going through something. Let me point you in the right. Let me help you. And and I'll say this. In any given situation, we both have had a community of people come around us and love on us with, like, the love of Christ. And so we've both been the beneficiaries of people who love us unconditionally and supported us. And so this is by no means a blanket statement of, like, uh, all people. But I will say, overwhelmingly, a lot of the bad advice is from people trying to fix you or fix it for themselves, Right. And so your situation makes them uncomfortable. Like your cancer might make someone else uncomfortable or my like I lost my friend. They don't know what to say, but it makes them uncomfortable. And it it is a very self-focused point of view. And I I think we've got to start flipping that. And so, A, I think we've got to do one thing. We've got to start. um, I think we've got to instead of hiding some of these things, ugly faith, start sharing it. Like, you know, don't hide it. When you hide it, then that myth stays alive, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That myth becomes a monument to false pride, to emotional dishonesty, uh, to fear. But when you share it, share the ugly warts of your struggle. I'm sure you guys, and I'd love to hear from you, sure you guys have questioned uh, some things throughout this journey. Well, I think it's okay for us to deal with those and confront those because God is so much bigger than that. Yeah, and to your point, if God can't, if God can't handle your pain, your struggle, or you, your questioning of Him, then yeah, probably the wrong one. Well, let's let's back up just a little bit and let's give people some good advice, right? So you're saying, well, what do I what do I say? What do I say to somebody that's suffering? What do I say to somebody that's going through um, a really tough experience? They've lost a loved one. They've got cancer. Um, they've cut their foot in half. Like, what what do I say to somebody like that? Number one, I'm sorry. That's it. Number one, I'm sorry that that happened. Number two, I am sure that you are hurting. Number one, I'm sorry. Number two, I'm sure that you are hurting. Number three, how can I help? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know that you're hurting. How can I help? That's it. That's all you got to say. Don't offer up any jokes. Don't try to fix it for them. Uh, don't don't try to be the, the new Solomon. Listen, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job were written by an amazing group of poets and wise men. 
Do not try to rewrite that for somebody. And also, let them find some of that stuff on their own. Listen, I, I appreciate all the YouTube videos. I appreciate all the insights on communion. I appreciate all the, the praise and worship stuff. I, I, I appreciate it. Like, I'm not saying that I don't. But I also know that there's some things that I have to come to the realization on my own. Um, and can you encourage me? Yeah, you sure can. And you know how you can encourage me? Hey, D, I was just thinking of you today. Know you've been through a lot. I'm sorry. I know this is terrible. How can I help? Super simple. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's such a great, I think, reminder, especially, and you can speak with such authority and credibility in that. And I think you sharing that helps people. Even me and Alicia, I think we've, you know, um, been with you guys from day um, one on this day journey. One. And I think even we asked like, hey, Joe, we feel comfortable enough to say, hey, Joe, like what kind of help or like, hey, can, is this OK or can I say that? And so yeah. it's OK, like to when you have fellowship or you have that proximity with people. And I'd say this is probably what I've learned the most. Um, and we said this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about work jerks, uh, the power of proximity, the closer you are to people, the closer you are to their problems, their struggles. And that's where the compassion, you know, compassion means to suffer together when you're already in proximity, that becomes just a byproduct of community challenges. When we're not close. A lot of those statements become performative, right? It's just, yeah. Oh, it's the guy that is your associate or kind of right. And we haven't taken the opportunity to become really involved and embedded into other people's lives. And so I think when you have that proximity, which is what Jesus did, right? When he um, saw Zacchaeus in the tree questioning, Hey, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I, eternal life he said Zacchaeus I'm coming to your house uh yeah. Nicodemus hey Nicodemus came by hey let's talk he always invited someone closer to him first he always met a need first and then he started to share the truth and so I think that combination of truth and love um were certainly I think a good blueprint for how we engage and I think the 2020 contextual translation of that is I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm sure you're hurting. How mm-hmm. can I help? Right? Because yep, none of us it. is Jesus. We're not. Like, and so I think, you know, I think there's a notion that we can. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be Jesus to, to Daryl today. No, you get to live like Jesus is your Lord, just like Daryl gets to live like he's his. You get to live like Jesus is true. But like, the best thing you could do is just be live like Jesus is your Lord. Don't try to be Jesus. Don't try to. You know, I, and I think a lot of us promote ourselves uh, to the and I've, I've done it before. I've, I'm guilty of trying to have a good statement for somebody to say something. And yeah. I, I can admit now, looking back, that a lot of it was built on uh, this point of pride where I thought, well, I'm you're going through this. Let me let me bless you with something yeah. that will hopefully make it better for you. But I didn't really want to get close enough to feel your pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the, that last that last question of how can I help is the one that, that does draw you closer, right? That, and most of the time, people are going to say, hey, there's nothing you can do. I'm good, you know. But, but that statement makes, makes you open. Like that statement makes you open for whatever it is. They, they might say, hey, I need you to come pick up my laundry or, hey, I need you to come watch the kids. Um, so that last statement of how can I help without you telling them something, right? So again, it's just you asking the question, being open to whatever it is that they need, however you can serve them. And let me just give you one more like little asterisk. Like this is a bonus. Um, so, well, somebody's going through something really painful. They're a friend, a loved one, someone that you are close with. Um, shoot them a note and just say, hey, I want you to know that I'm praying for you by your full name this week and I love you, Period. Right. Number one, what that says is, is that like, hey, not just that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you by your name. Right. I'm praying for Adrian Parker by his name. Those that's on my lips in the morning when I rise. Like, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, like, what is he going through? OK, I'm thinking what he's going through. I'm, I'm praying. God, I just pray that you would give Adrian Parker some relief from his pain right now. Right. And then number two is. He's like, hey, would you give him some relief for his pain? And I'm in it with you to do that for an entire week. And I love you. Like, that's it. 
That's it. No prophecy, no dreams, no uh, new word of meaning that I'm giving you. Nah, man, listen, I'm praying for you by name all week and I love you. That's it. That's all you got to do, man. And I'm telling you that combined with what we just talked about was, hey, um, I'm sorry. I know this must hurt. How can I help? That, that is the biggest and best thing you can say to somebody who's really going through a really trying time, man. And I'm, I'm going to just kind of go a little bit deeper into the, like the, the Hebrew of, of what it means to grieve a little bit. And there's a, a practice called sitting shiva. And it's basically a seven-day ritual where if a, a person that is directly connected to you, like a, an immediate family member, passes away... Um, people will come alongside and just sit with you for like seven days. And they'll just sit in that grief and that pain for with you, right? And so one of the things that, that I wrote down for our conversation tonight is, is, can you sit in it? Like, are you willing to sit in it with a friend who's going to have questions, who's going to question God, who's going to be angry, who's going to go through all the stages of grief, Who's going to wrestle? Like, can you just go and sit in it? And when I, when we look at Job, like people love to use Job, right? Like whenever you're going through a trial, people be texting you like, oh, I found this in Job for you. Like, first of all, your theology is terrible. Do you know when Job was written? You have no idea when Job was written. Job was actually probably written before Genesis, most scholars think, right? It's beautiful, right? But its theology is incorrect for today's, you know, post-Christ death and resurrection, right? So, but it's still applicable because what it is, is it shows how someone who hasn't done anything wrong can still have to go through grief and trial. And when his friends pop in, right, like they just keep talking, like they just keep serving up like, ah, oh, I guess Job did this, or I guess you did this, or why don't you repent, blah, blah, blah. At the end, all that gets proved out. But like, are you willing to just go sit with somebody who's suffering and just sit? That's it. Just sit. And then when they open their mouth and they question God, when they talk about their pain, like, are you willing not to just try to fix it for them? Are you willing to just sit and listen? Because that's the biggest thing a lot of times, man. Like people are, again, back to what we talked about again, they're going to work it out for themselves, can you offer wisdom and insight? You sure can, but I will tell you that it's from a much more humble and quiet spirit in that space where you're just listening and sitting with them, man. Yeah. Man, you um, this is a rabbit trail, but I'll just put a pin in this one, but your articulation of how the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, right, and the scriptures and how we can still misapply that into our misapply law and the stories there to our new covenant through Jesus Christ. That's a whole other topic, but it is a very fascinating, I think, fallacy in Christianity. And I think it does go back to the piece that like this God we created is straw man theology. And a lot of it's not anyone's fault. We just like bad teaching. Yeah. Um, or bad, just kind of studying. Um, mm-hmm. think about myself. Or hey, and yeah. we got to take some responsibility yeah. for that too. Like, oh, yeah, we've just we just accepted it, right? Like we've received it. Said, oh yeah, I just agree with that. And we haven't poked it. We haven't poked the bear anymore to see what's inside. You know? No, yeah. I think I'm 40, and I'm just now getting to the point in the past couple of years where I've asked some of the hard questions and been able to, like, you know, wrestle with it myself. But that's a whole other piece of it. But I, I do think there are some topics in Christianity that. We should have answers for so that even for our kids. So when Caleb comes home and says, hey, I read about the Big Bang or dinosaurs or the universe. How does this fit into the Bible? I love how you hit on this idea of, you know, there's a phrase, you know, how God keeps you in the valley. And I think oftentimes that's interpreted as God covers me. So God is with me even when I'm going through the hard places, which I absolutely believe he's with me regardless. And that's what I've learned about ugly faith is. Um, my my pain almost attracts him, and my inadequacy and my insufficiency attracts God, where he almost moves uh, to cover me. And so my weakness becomes a strength when he comes. So he keeps me in the valley. But then, you know, I think about that word keep as in, I think I've had times where he's retained me, like he's held me there, meaning like I'm here, um, I'm here for a, a somebody else. So I'm where I don't want to be. I do not want to be in this situation, whether it's financially, whether it's personally, professionally, et cetera. And I can look back 
And I can see these divine intersections where it wasn't about me at all. So here I am praying for my, I need to move here. I need to do this. And I'm praying for, for you know, I'm praying for, for my tooth fairy prayers. Hey, I did this. So give me this. I was like, dude, hold up. It ain't even about you. It's about this other person that needs something um, and that exchange. And I and even though I know that um, historically, because I can rehearse his resume, I still get antsy. Right. And so how do you how have you because you guys are a year in this this cancer journey, but obviously with your foot and I mean, the things you go through, how do you maintain that? I said the discipline of hope and grace. Um, how do you how do you how do you trust God versus going through the actions and the motions of just looking like you trust him? So how do you, yeah. you know, please him versus trust him? It's a tough one. <laughs> Right. Like sometimes, like if I'm honest, like you're walking outside at night and you're like, hey, God, where are you at? And all this. You know? But what I would tell you, too, is like a lot of it comes down to the story you tell yourself. Um, you know, you can you can take on a victim mentality. Right. Or you can you can take ownership and also be grateful for the small things. Um, you know, like if you guys could even begin to understand how Joe has suffered uh, through these cancer treatments and like what her chest looks and feels like through radiation. And she's been nauseous the whole time and nobody told it was going to happen. And it's an everyday thing. And that to come on the tail of chemo and that to come on the tail of having a baby. And then that to come on the tail of a mastectomy and then that to come on the tail of more chemo, right? Like she's been during on this, a global pandemic, by during the way. global so, pandemic. Yeah. Where, where no people less. just can't come around and hang out and support you. And, you know, like it hasn't been easy, but Hey, Emmanuel's here and he's healthy and he's happy and he's beautiful. Right. Amen. Amen. Um, we're safe and financially we're going to be okay. Right. And we've got always got food on our table and like, there's so many things to be grateful for. So I, a, a lot of times for me, my faith really comes down to the story that I am telling myself. If I allow myself to put on the victim mentality, you're going to struggle with your faith straight up, right? Because things are bad and they're happening to me. If you put yourself in the position of gratitude and tell yourself, man, like, I can't believe that he's here and that he's healthy and man, we're so blessed. Like if you just switch that that mindset a little bit, I tell you, your, your faith journey will be a lot easier. Um, at least that's my approach. I think too, like again, back to the beginning is you got to keep surrounding yourself with people with really good people whose faith at times is stronger than yours. Right. And that can help carry you. Um, and again, these are people that you've given permission and access to like you, you hold yourself accountable to them. These aren't people that randomly text you some kind of dream or word or, you know, some kind of praise and worship song from YouTube. Like, listen, like I appreciate all that, but like, so I, I, I you want me to stop sending you those Joel Osteen quotes. Yes. The, the Joel Osteen oh, okay, quotes sorry. and the Max Lucado books. If you could stop with those two. Oh, and the Joseph Prince stuff. If you could stop sending me anything from Joseph Prince, that would be great. Got it. Check, check and check. No, I love the idea that uh, gratitude, right? Being able being thankful. I think, you know, even when suffering doesn't make sense, because our minds will never know the the whens or whys or hows of a God or a universe or a world that A, is fallen, but B, we don't understand. We don't have that privilege. Um, but I think the ability to put one foot in front of the other and trust God daily. Um, and I've had those seasons, man. I've had you know, some professional scenes where I've questioned identity or like, what am I here for? Right. Um, and I've, I've shared that in, in previous podcasts about how my identity has been so tied to achievement and significance. I've, I've, I was, I was, I was fat on the appearance of faith, but starving mm-hmm. on actual trust in God. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I call it probably a concierge Christian. Like I had all the appearance of status. I was a concierge. But at the end of the day, I, I didn't have it. You know, and I think I've had, I've had a period in my life where I'm not sure if I really wanted to end my life, but I did want this part of my life to end, right? And I was in a moment of, you know what, God, check, please. Pull the ripcord. Where's the exit? Like, it's over. Um, I'm just done. Like, I can't go another day in this direction. And I'm telling God, 
I will if you make me do this one more day, I'm done. And then you wake up the next morning, God's like, Hey, good morning. <laughs> How are you? Like, you're a lot like yeah. it's like, ah, and you gotta face it. And part of I think ugly faith is just going through uh these things that we fear the most. Like, if I ask you, what is the thing you fear the most? Right. And for me at that time it was failure. And you, I walked through it, um, you know, and, and so those those were there's some hard, hard situations. But I think looking back, I think you're absolutely right. Gratitude, being able to have a community behind behind you and beside you who can help you walk through uh, some of those tough times is absolutely, I think, critical when walking through those ugly faith moments. It's good, dude. So how do you. How do you tip the scales, AP? How do you turn it around, right? These Something bad has happened to you um, by your own fault or not. Like, how do you today turn that back around and say, okay, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to lean into this. Um, and like you said, like, I'm going to choose to wake up tomorrow and go back into battle again. Like, how do you do it? Yeah, to um, call it, exercises i think that at least puts you in the posture to respond to adversity so they might not be the solution solution but they give you the posture they give you a stance that you can have a a chance uh one is helping others there's something about when you're going through suffering or a hard place using that to help someone else um it 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 has this you know i'd say this supernatural way of like me not focusing on myself. So I've had periods where like, I just got to get the house and go do something, go volunteer, go help somebody mm-hmm. that can't help you back, go give your time yeah. or effort or energy to yeah. something else. So that ability to take it off of yourself. And I know that that can sound crazy depending on what you're going through. If you're sick, you're going through financial difficulties or you're going through a bad relationship or whatever it is, it can feel odd to like put any energy on someone else. But I think that's, I think there's something that happens with that exchange when I can use even myself in a diminished suffering state, I can focus on someone else helping them. I think that activates something for me where it's not about my suffering. Uh, and then two, I think you hit on it earlier. I think it's getting into a community, um, not only people, but also getting into the truth. You need to be as close to truth as possible. So that's true people. Mm-hmm. That's true word. Whether it's your Bible, your faith community, yeah. true relationships. Um, truth is healing. And I think your the, your um, healing in, w- in whatever sense is going to be directly proportional to your access to the truth, even if it's a tough truth or a hard challenge. I think you've got to get to invest your friends. If that's your time and your word in the Bible. That's your time uh, with your family. Like just that. Like you, you've you, you, you got to be so choiceful about it. So those two things, I think time helping someone as bad as it might be, you can always help someone else. And then two, that community um, of trust and truth in your own life. I've seen that just be at least some stabilizers, like your oxygen tank. So it's, it, it might not get you all the way through the journey, <laughs> but it gets you enough oxygen yeah. to get that next that next level over. Yeah. And, and I think, too, the realization that that's a seasonal thing, right? Like the, your faith journey at times is seasonal. You know, we've talked about this before where you're in spring, summer, winter, or fall in your faith. And like you're not always going to be in this perpetual summer. And I am always leery and hold very little space for people with absolutes when it comes to God and faith. Um, Man, do I believe that the Bible is true? I do. Do I believe that there's a lot of stuff in there that's gray or that was handed down by verbal tradition or that, you know, makes me scratch my head? Yeah. You know, so... I believe that God is way bigger, and to your point about the universe, way more mystifying than we give him credit for. Somehow we think that like our brain that's the size of a Coke can can like soak up all of the water, which is the size of the ocean about God, you know? And so what I would tell you is is like if you've got like back to your friend, like if you've got a friend that's wrestling or a spouse that's going through something really hard, like give them space to to explore, give them space to question, give them space to, you know, ask the hard stuff about like God and who he is and where is he at in all of this. And again, your, your job is just to sit there, man. And so for yourself, back to your point, like it's just the realization that 
it's not always going to be this way. It's a realization that I'm just going through season. And how can I, even in my darkest, coldest season, like almost like a seed, right? Like still have this little spark of life inside of me, you know? And I would say that that's the Holy Spirit, right? That's still allowing truth to be spoken into you and you reading truth and receiving it and hearing truth and receiving it. And like, it'll come back to life in spring. Just give it a moment, right? And the same is true for that friend or your spouse, right? Like, just give it a moment. They'll come back to life, you know? But it's got to have sunshine and it's got to be watered. And we both know that that's relationship, joy, um, you know, it's a kind word spoken at the right moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good, man. Yeah. Some of the, one of the hard thing to do is just to walk things out a day, an hour, a week at a time. Uh, those can be some of the hardest journeys. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I reflect on that um, in my own life and obviously, you know, in, in the life of my friends and obviously you and Joe, who we, we, we pray for every day. And it's been um, such a testimony, and so yeah, it's 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 beautiful. And I think not forgetting, you know, wh- where we're headed. You know, I think looking through, you know, where we're, we're living in this this you know suit of dirt, this tent, so to speak, that's falling apart for all of us. And I think yeah. you know, being able to you know stay true to that purpose in spite of some of the difficulties is tough. But I think you know, I'm reminded of in the end. Dude, well, it, it's going to be so, so much better. And I think that's where faith really comes in. Like, do you trust that that is where you're headed? And so I'd say for anybody, like I said, I love the fact that there's probably people listening who are like, they, they would call us on the God thing. God of the Bible. I love that. Like, bring us all that. So send us, I, I love it, challenges or questions about that. I would submit that um, oftentimes, you know, the Christianity that you've encountered uh, some of the ugly people or the crappy Christians you might have encountered. And we all have crappy moments. So I'll put myself in that crappy Christian uh, uh, audience. I think God is so much bigger than that. And what he has for your life and your future and your family is so much broader than a, an awkward or hypocritical or hurtful exchange with somebody. So I think if you're listening it ain't an accident. He's call- He's he's calling. He's planting a seed. And I, I think, you know, we need your gifts to get through our ugly faith. We need your talents. We need your community. We need your passions. And so, yeah, bring that bring that to bear. And so, yeah, if you want to reach out to Daryl, reach out to me, whatever you got, reach out to Daryl first. You know, he's, <laughs> he's got more answers than, than well, I have. Well, yeah, welcome. Man. Well, so about... This part of the show, every week we talk about something that we're reading that has really helped us learn something new. And in this this conversation, I think, has maybe taken our faith to another level um, or has encouraged our faith. Um, so I've got three tonight, right? And so um, the first is a book by an author named N.T. Wright. Um, if you are into biblical studies, you know that he is a foremost expert specifically on the New Testament. Um, he is amazing. But the book is called Surprised by Hope. Surprised by Hope. And I can promise you, when you read this book, it will get you pumped up about the idea of resurrection. It's just one of those books that like breathes new life into your faith. Um, and it's so, so good. So, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. The second is a really small little book. Um, it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It has absolutely nothing to do with faith. It's all based on stoicism. But it's about identifying the thing that is your challenge, the thing that you're trying to overcome, um, and how to overcome it. And even if it's like the worst thing possible, see, obstacle is the way. And then my third book, and I know this is super cheesy, but it's Ecclesiastes, right? It was written by Solomon in a moment where he's had way too much to drink. He's struggling mentally. He's unstable. He's all over the board. Um, but he's really transparent and open, right? And you can tell that he's wandering. He's trying to figure this thing out, Um you know, his previous collection of work in Proverbs is this very clear cut. If you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. You get to Ecclesiastes and he's like, man, what does all of this mean? Right? <laughs> yeah. And he draws, yeah. he draws a conclusion at the end, but it's a beautiful journey. It's like, it's almost exactly what we're talking about. 
When you read Ecclesiastes, you should ask yourself, if my friend wrote me an email like this, could I handle it, right? If my friend was having this conversation with me on the porch and it read just like this, could I handle it? And man, it's so, so good when you read it with fresh eyes from the perspective of somebody who's just like really trying to figure this thing out. He gets back to it at the end, but like all the stuff that he opens up and is honest about throughout the book is beautiful. It's transparent. It's obviously a beautifully written piece, but yeah, Ecclesiastes. That's good. I'd also say, uh, the 88 Psalms. So Psalms 88 by Solomon's dad, David is a great testament because i mean he's he's bringing it to god like he's questioning god god you failed me i mean all the hard things you could say to god like why'd you put me here all of it he questioned him and of course the next one psalms 89 he's like hey i love you lord i thank you but it's like these um valleys peaks and valleys in our lives and those times in our life when we question god and so ecclesiastes when you know he's saw uh Solomon's questioning all of it. That's normal. Like God can take that. So I I, I love the Ecclesiastes version uh, or a, example as well. So a, a few recommendations building on that. I'll start with probably the most. Um, I don't know. It's like I don't know. She's controversial, but if you're a conservative kind of traditional uh, fundamentalist, call it Christian. Nadia Bowles Weber is probably much more progressive than you're you'll ever read on your own um, as well. But I. I had a chance to listen to her speak four years ago, and she preached and taught the gospel of Jesus Christ to a room of probably 300 smart, successful, I'd say semi-quasi-believing people. Probably not a lot of Christians, actually probably more atheists and agnostics, and the way she unpacked the gospel was so profound. And so she has a book called Accidental Saints, Finding God in All the Wrong People. Where she just shares her clumsy, awkward, like ugly faith, her own ugly faith. And Tom, she got it wrong. People she didn't want to talk to and sharing that. And it's a really great book. She's super transparent um, about even being a, a leader in church, even a pastor. Right. Having some moments where she just didn't feel like it and how God is. Um, chasing her down. So I love, love Accidental Saints. Uh, I think I've probably recommended to it to a few friends um, as well. Next book I'd recommend uh, is a book called True Faced. Uh, Trust God and others with who you really are. And so this notion, and I came across it two years ago, this kind of, you're walking down two paths. You know, one path is pleasing God. One path is trusting God. And you can only pick one. And I never thought about my life in those terms. All the things I was doing to please God with my actions, my words, my sayings, my work, but was I trusting God? And I think this book was one of the first ones to show a real biblical perspective of what trusting God looks like and how it's harder, it's painful, but it's the only way to really move forward in my faith. So True Faced by a a handful of authors, Bill Thrall, Bruce McNichol, and John Lynch is a great and a very short read. Uh, Even Nadia's book you could read in probably a couple days. And uh, last book reco is by one of Daryl's favorite guys, Seth Godin, The Dip. It is a very short digest. You can read it in maybe an hour or two. It's a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick. And it is a great, uh, it's called The Dip because everyone who's great at anything, Olympic athlete, um, you're uh, the world's best chef, Michelin star restaurants, you're the world's foremost uh, uh, I don't know, statistician, doesn't matter. You've had to work through and get to where you were by working through the ugly middle. And I think the fruit of working through the ugly middle. So this is a marketing and business book. It has nothing to do with, I think, God in the theological sense. It has everything to do with perseverance and being clear about why you're here uh, in the practical sense, which I'd say is just as good as reading a proverb. So it's a really good book, The Dip by Seth Godin. Highly recommend. Love The Dip, by the way. Such a good book. Yeah. Cool. It's good, man. I thank you for, I think you've shared some, I've learned, I've taken, so people don't know, I take notes when Daryl speaks because <laughs> I'm, I'm writing. Um, just to like, it's good to, these these exchanges help. Right? So this isn't just us like 
wanting to hear our own voice. We're actually like learning from one another and building and challenging ourselves as well. So anyone that has any feedback or comments, definitely, or your stories, you know, I, we, we'd love to hear that um, as well. We, we welcome the challenges. It makes us better. And uh, we'd like to hear from yeah. you. So to wrap up the show tonight, where are we headed? Where are you headed in your faith journey? Where are you at now? Um, where do you want to be? Yeah, I'm, you know, I think where I'm headed is really, um, you know, going away from, I realize, you know, I use the term the concierge Christian, uh, waiting on God and uh, a very me-centered place. And I realize it's, um, it's, it's something that happens when you don't uh, connect to God in a, a regular kind of trust-filled manner. And so what I'm looking forward to next and I'm on, I'm one weekend to my uh, two week uh, Sabbath thing, call it, you know, <laughs> vacation, sabbatical, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, just getting back to just, man, like spending time with God and just kind of, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, reading the book of John and it's reading through the life of Christ straight. So just reading it straight. And man, the Jesus I, I thought I knew, I'm just rediscovering him all over again. Right. And so just that ability to just, you know, take a step back. Um, I think learn something new and different about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people talk about the Bible as a, you know, I don't know, it's instruction manual, it's historical, and that's true. But it really is a living, breathing um, experience. Like, and so for me, it's that. It really is getting back to that and living that out uh, with my family and my friends. So, yeah. so it's not a very flashy next step, but it really is just back to the basics. I think I get so busy. And I, I read way too many books um, that it can be easy to get distracted by what I have to do next, pleasing versus trusting. And so I'm just doubling down on the trusting. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I would challenge you in this season that you're in reading, read it like a first century Hebrew, right? Don't read it like a Western, you know, business, successful, you know, entrepreneur business leader, read it like a first century Hebrew whose, you know, business is probably agriculture. Yeah. I got sheep or fish or yeah. Farming. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And the truth is, is that you probably weren't reading it. Somebody was reading it to you with the understanding that the scriptures really were, uh, the Pentateuch, which the first five books of the Bible, um, they may have been Psalms, Proverbs. Um, they may have been some of the prophets. Some of the prophets may have been read to you. Um, and a lot of it was oral tradition, right? So as you read it, like try to get into that space. Um, and I think for me, that's kind of where I've been. So like my next step is I'm going back through Genesis with Johanna. Um, we're going back through the creation story. Ella's got a lot of questions right now about creation and to be honest with you like I, I don't want her to have baggage from this later on in life so we're open and walking through it and being even willing to question stuff that like we've had kind of written in stone all of our life right like for example there's two creation stories there's the first creation story um, and then after chapter one into chapter two right there's a second creation story why is that? Right. So like, again, being willing to look and listen like a first century, you know, Hebrew and saying like, OK, maybe this is why. And the other thing, too, that you have to understand about studies in Hebrew is that they were always open to finding new things. And that's the beauty of it. Right. It's like if if it was a really beautiful piece of Hebrew writing, they wouldn't just come out and say it. Right. It was like hidden in the text, either in the cadence, in a number, in uh, the way that it was surrounded by other words or broken down, like unhinge yourself from all the stuff that you've had ahead of you or you've known and being, being willing to look at your face with new eyes saying, okay, do I believe that Jesus died and resurrected? Yes. Okay, great. Set that aside. And now let's go on like this deep journey and say like, Man, that's crazy. The witch of Endor? Are you kidding me? In Samuel? Why is there a witch in Endor that resurrects Samuel? Did you know that? That's crazy, right? Yeah. And and do we do we believe that that really happened? Question mark, right? Like and 
I don't think that people are willing to do some of that stuff because they are so tied to things being absolute because it creates a sense of security and certainty for them. And I will tell you this, when your world is shaken up because you get to call from the hospital that your wife has breast cancer, you lose all sense of security and certainty in a moment. It's gone, right? So do you lean on your faith? You absolutely do. But you also become willing to look at things very differently. And um, yeah, it, it can be beautiful too. So I think the thing for me is moving forward, I'm just willing to look and listen to things in a whole new way. I'm willing to learn. Um, I'm willing to ask more questions. Uh, yeah. And I'm also willing to say, maybe I was yeah. wrong. I say it a lot now. I love that, dude. Well, thank you so much for unpacking, I think, truths, um, I think, difficulties, but also wisdom. I think, you know, wisdom oftentimes is our lived experience and it's something that, you know, we can, we don't see it when we're in it, but we can look back and see the fruit of it. So I think this has been such a great episode of, you know, Ugly Faith. You know, what do you do when the truth of who you trust is revealed, right? And when you feel like God fails you, you know, what do you do next? And so I, I we hope that this episode was helpful. We hope it was meaningful um, to all of you. And of course, we're all still praying. Join us in prayers um, for uh, for Joe and Daryl uh, and their family, beautifully Emmanuel as, as well, because he's stuck with Daryl as his dad, which I mean, he didn't have a choice but to be like a, the CrossFit babe or something like that. So, uh, no, but thank you, Daryl. This has been an amazing episode. Um, yeah, and I, I can't wait till next week when we come up with something even equally as challenging. Dun dun dun. Well, as always, I love you and thanks for doing this. Back at you, man. Thanks, dude. Hey guys, this is DC, and this was the Unfollowed Podcast. We hope you like what you heard today. And if you didn't, that's okay. There's a hundred thousand other podcasts you can choose to subscribe to. But if you like this one, do us a favor and subscribe or share it with a friend.